Hey, I'm Montoya McGowan, licensed clinical social worker. Welcome to Bougie Black Therapist Podcast, where you learn to give yourself permission to be authentically and unapologetically you as a black clinician. Welcome to our show today. Um, we have one of my favorite, favorite therapists, friends, sisters here with us. Um, and we just want to have a regular conversation about how we came to be. So, Are you tell my name? No, I was going to say, introduce okay. yourself. I will, I will do that. I am Risha Jack, L-P-C-M-H-S-P, lots of letters, which basically means that I am a licensed professional counselor, and I can um, help you diagnose your... Okay, how about now? Okay, yeah. So that means basically I'm a licensed professional counselor, and um, I have the power and authority to help you figure out what's going on with yourself. Okay. <clears throat> so when I um, started, when I decided to become a therapist, um, I learned about it from listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I really was listening to podcasts to learn how to study for the LCSW uh, exam. And then um, I started to hear different podcasts where they talked about you have the ability to be a clinician and to be a therapist and to help people. So the more I listened to it, the more I started to just see if it would work and Five years later, here I am doing it full time. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. A dream I didn't even know that I was going to have. Yeah. That I didn't even know was possible. Um, and so I want to tell a story before I ask you the first question. So when uh, I want to say like maybe around 2015, um, I met uh, a friend and this friend introduced me um, to running. But they were more advanced at running than I was, but I still wanted to challenge myself to see if I could do it. And for some reason, I did like a 5K, I think I did a 10K, um, but I was never able to like run the whole way through. I would like run, walk, run, walk. And I never felt like I had the permission to be a runner. And I would ask in different Facebook groups, like, when am I a runner? And the, the resolution was, you decide mm. that you're a runner. So you're a runner because you said, I'm a runner, and I run. And it doesn't matter what your running looks like. So that kind of relates back to me when it comes to starting your own private practice. Mm. That's a good one. That's really good. A, a good illustration of that. You are what you are. Yeah. Yeah. So... Who gave you permission to be a therapist? Wow. Um, who gave me permission to be a therapist or to go out on my own? To go out on your own. Go Both. out on my own. Um, lots of people, peers. Um, my, honestly, so I was working in, um, initially in an IOP program, right? So intensive outpatient. And it was the patients that first started asking me, why are you here? Like, when are you going to have your own practice you you know you need to be doing this and and that and I hadn't I was maybe a year or two out of out of my graduate program so it was first the people that I was actually working with mm -hmm. as far as clients that mm -hmm. were encouraging me to do that mm -hmm. yeah so how did you end up being a therapist like how did you get into counseling 
I did everything else. I tried to avoid it. I've been a therapist for as long as I can remember. Since I was five years old, I've been a therapist. Yeah. And so um, I remember when I first said I wanted to do it, my mom told me that I wouldn't make any money. And mm-hmm. my grades were really good all through school. I was a, a honors graduate. And so at that time, a black girl with good grades, STEM, STEM, STEM. Right. We need you in science. We need you, you in math. make lots of money. Yeah, nursing is in high demand. So I did all of those things. I even think my major was management information systems at some point. I tried that too. Yeah. Um, it wasn't me. I couldn't, I, that, none of that was me. I'm a therapist. So I had to come back home. How did you decide or come to the conclusion that I'm a therapist, this is my gift, I'm living in God's will, this, was, this is what I'm going to do? Hmm, how did I decide? I got tired of really just getting that whooping from trying to do everything else but that. <laughs> and I finally submitted and said, you know what? This is what I want to do anyway. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that other stuff. Um, and so I was married by that point, and my husband was like, just pick a career woman and stick to it. I don't care what you want to do, just do it. And it was at that point where I had real stability for the first time after I got married and we were able to build our own home, mm-hmm. um, just that home base that I felt comfortable enough to step out and actually be who I already was. Yeah. Mm. So ultimately, my husband gave me permission to be a therapist. So how long have you been in private practice? I went into private practice October, right before the pandemic hit. (laughs) Yeah. That's when I went into private practice. So that would have been October of 2018. 19. 19, 2019, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's how long. And so just as I was getting my groove and I was like, yeah, I like this. It's pretty cool. Shut down. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, who's your favorite kind of, what's your favorite kind of client? Oh, my gosh, that's a loaded question. Like what, what kind of issues does this client have as to why they would call Risha Jack? The clients that I have are so diverse and just it's hard to say why they would call me. But typically um, people that I get that I have a really great working relationship with are people who are motivated. They're ready to figure this thing out. Mm -hmm. Um, And they want to be a better version of themselves. I, I deal well with people who want to come in and figure out, okay, what can I do to, to help myself mm-hmm. or to change my set of circumstances, my situation? So um, my favorite clients are those who are authentic, just raw, regular. Um, like us. Like us. Yeah. And, and it's reciprocal because I can give that to them, and it sets the stage, it sets the table, gives the invitation for them to be that Mm -hmm. in that space. And so if I'm asking you to come into this space and be authentically you, 
in this judgment-free zone, I've got to do the same thing. Right. Yeah, so those are my favorites. Right. What are some of the issues that they that the, the clients that you see tend to have over and over again? Mm. Codependency. I know. Codependency and um, difficulty with boundaries. What about identity? Identity is huge because that's, you know, that's my set of glasses. When I put my glasses on, um, I'm looking for, okay, where's the identity crisis? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as a clinician, from my perspective, that's when we see people who are in disequilibrium is when they're in an identity crisis of Mm -hmm. some sort. Some role transition has occurred, some change, some loss, and you're figuring out how am I to be me in this space at this time. And so that's that's what we're doing. Right. Yeah. What do you think I mean when I say bougie black therapist? Oh. Um, so I have been called bougie for most of my life. <laughs> and that is really surprising to me because I know me. Right. Same <laughs> for me. Same for me. But the stereotypical bougie-ness that I got um, – you know, assigned or, or the, the title, whatever. Um, at the time, I came to understand that people thought it meant stuck up, um, thinking that you're better than everybody else or mm-hmm. that you know or have more than everyone else. Right. But for me, the embodiment of bougie in this package mm-hmm. is just minding my business mm-hmm. and being me and unapologetically yes just and if that's a lot if that is more than something else right then it is and Mm -hmm. if it's not it's not yeah that's exactly what I mean when I say bougie I really mean when it when it comes to being bougie for me a bougie black therapist it's about being you without having to consider how it makes other people feel oh yeah oh yeah and one of the things I love about you is that you give whomever happens to be in your orbit permission to do the same. And that's why, so my shirt says, hashtag stop shrinking. Mm -hmm. This is a passion of mine because I shrink. Mm -hmm. I have shrank down to the smallest a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. And I still do it because it's a habit. Right. And you call me out on it. And you're like, nope, mm -mm, nope, (laughs) yeah, that's you. Wear it. Stop shrinking. Stop shrinking. And that's one of the bougie qualities about you that I like yeah. is that you know, it's no more shrinking. I had to learn how to do that yeah. because I have struggled with codependency for a long time. And so I almost had to pretend like it was a part of me until it actually became a part of me. Mm. And I learned that that also helps foster more authentic, uh, vulnerable relationships and not only does it help foster good relationships, but it also repels people who aren't comfortable with it. And I want to attract and repel mm. as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So the sooner I'm me, the sooner you can decide on whether or not I'm somebody whose energy you want to share. And the same for me. Yeah. If I see somebody who's not comfortable with being themselves and they're doing it, uh, intentionally, like they're trying to, you know, be a, a what is it, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yeah. I I don't want to participate. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, also, being bougie to me means um, because I'm a recovering codependent, um, being able to manage my energy and also having healthy boundaries where I don't have to apologize for the boundaries that I have. And I've learned that even as a therapist and having your own business, you have to have those healthy boundaries with your clients. Um, just as an entrepreneur, period, we've talked about this before, you got to have healthy boundaries with your clients so that you can show them what it looks like. Exactly. And it's, it doesn't mean that I don't like you, I don't value you. It just means that on Thursdays, I like catching up on Ratchet TV, and I don't want to see any clients on Thursday night. Sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. I don't have Thursday after 3 available. Yeah, you don't have anything else? No. No, no I don't. I have next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was hard for me to get used to um, as an independent therapist is – blocking off my time because just because I don't have an appointment does right. not mean that that block is available. Right. And being able to, I mean, what's that saying? No is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. I had to really kind of let that sink in. So I don't have to give an explanation for, well, I, I typically don't have a point. No, like, no, I'm not available. Mm -hmm. This is my next available mm -hmm. appointment. Um, here are the next two available appointments. Would one of those work for you? And being okay if it doesn't. Right. Like not having to be, you know, pressured to, I got to get this one in. I got to get them in somewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you're, if you're authentically you and they have decided that they want to see you, mm -hmm. they're going to wait. Yep. Patiently. I learned, that. I learned that. They're going to wait. They heard about Risha and I want to see her. So you don't have this Thursday. I'll take next Tuesday. Yeah. And I'll make it work for my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. You won't have to fit me in at eight o'clock. Um, I can see you at eleven because I'll figure it out. And I learned that it's not it's really not offering my best self to them either if I have to try to squeeze and fit them in. Right. You know, it's better to just have my time that I, I'm available mm -hmm. and work with that. Who decided what your schedule should be? Me. <laughs> it took me a minute because at first I was like, okay, nine to five or business hours. Right. And as a professional clinician, I should offer hours. And then I need to think about the working clients. Right. And maybe I should have one late evening. And will I have weekend hours? And then I'm like, you know what? I don't want to see nobody before 11 o'clock. Yep. And I ain't got to see nobody before 11 o'clock. And they see the best version of me at 11 o'clock. Yeah. I have found that my favorite schedule is 11 to 7. That works best for me because I don't have to be a part of the 5 a.m. club. Um, I don't have to rush. I can take my time. I can work out. I can lollygag. I can do whatever else it is that I want to do. And then I'm ready to work. Yeah. Like when I was working for other people, I pretty much didn't get started until about 11. <laughs> Not the real work, you know. Yeah, I might be there. Check my email, eat my breakfast, you know? <laughs> visit yeah. with coworkers, and like, all right, 1045, I'm ready. Yeah. I might have even set my rep sent my representative in at right. 8 o'clock. Oh, I'm here. But I'm just not there. here. Yeah, I'm yeah. not here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so the, you know, us being entrepreneurs also, 
we get to give ourselves permission to live the quality of life that we want to live, which is why we decided to be entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. So nobody gets to dictate what your schedule is. You get to decide. Oh, yeah. I was riding in the car listening to some podcast or something um, recently, and they were talking about how everyone's waiting for the next moment to rest. Like, when is my break ever? You know, what time do I get off? Oh, I can't wait till the weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. the next holiday. And it was that moment that it dawned on me that I don't live that way anymore. And I was like, oh, my God. We don't have to wait for the weekend. No. Our days are just days. Yeah. And I like going to work because my boss is cool. My boss is so dope. I'd be like, girl. (laughs) Okay. I like you. (laughs) <laughs> right right okay yeah I like the vibe in my working environment right right um what are you working on right now how much time do we have <laughs> professionally what am I working on yeah um so um I'm trying to develop a couple of ideas as far as um treatment programs or um retreat Type things. Um, so I'm working on that. I am, I've started writing a book. Yes. Um, I have another podcast that okay. I'm working on getting developed and um, private practice. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but those are the main things I'm working on right now mm. professionally. Okay. Yeah. What makes you excited? Just in life in general. Creating. Creating and sharing. Mm. Yeah. Exchanging ideas. Mm-hmm. Having conversations. Learning. Okay. Yeah. What do you do for fun? I color. I um, love coloring too. I love to color. I watch. So my, my new guilty pleasure is on YouTube. There is a channel that I follow, Ennis Yomiser, and Ennis Plus. He has two channels now, and he tours Million Dollar Mansions, and I will sit there and watch that all day long. Do you think you would like to have a Million Dollar Mansion? No. Oh, okay. No. It's, it's, I like to see the architecture. Yeah. I like to see the new technology and things that they add to houses and just the flow, how mm-hmm. things lay out. Um, I definitely wouldn't want to live in one of those houses. It's it's too much. I just think me. about who's going to clean up. And I yeah. know that when you dream, you can add somebody to your dream who cleans up for you. Yeah, because I can answer all those kind of questions. <laughs> if the day comes that I get something <laughs> like that, I'm ready right now. Right. I can tell you. I don't know who the staff is going to be, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to call them. Right. They have names. <laughs> they have backstories. All of that. I'm ready. You're definitely creative. Oh, yeah. I I'm a creative. I'm a creator. I'm telling you, I'm ready. When people say, if I gave you $10,000 right now, what would you do? And people say, uh, uh no, ma'am. You already ready. know. Ready. What would you do? $10,000 right now. First thing I'm going to do is pay off my house and my car. Okay. That way I don't have those bills cluttered right there. Um, I'm going to pay my tithes. Let me say that. Okay. I'll take care of that. So first order of business is we're going to get rid of at least half of you know, $5,000 worth. I mean, five. You said ten thousand. Ten thousand I mean, million. I was like, dang, you only got ten thousand left on your house and your car. Oh, I don't play with that. I'm jealous. I don't play with that. 
in here. Hundred thousand. One hundred thousand. It's millions. In okay. Here. When I okay. get that million, what's going on? Oh, this is what's happening. Yeah. So, um, basically, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to um, put most of it in the bank. I'm not buying a new house. I'm not buying new stuff yet. We're going to get everything taken care of that we already have, get stable, and then make our decision on what we want to do next. Mm. So that's that's what's happening to the first million. Okay. What's on your bucket list? Or do you have one? I don't really have one. I know that may be weird, but I don't really have one. I, I met a friend who um, she said that she doesn't have a bucket list because she does what she wants when she wants. Mm. So she does Tuesday stuff. Oh. <laughs> because her bucket list is pretty much non-existent. I'm not that deep. I just don't have one. I said, oh, okay. Well, I have to have a bucket list so I can have something to work towards. Okay. I need I need goals in place. Now I have goals. I need big stuff in place. Okay. Okay. Like travel somewhere mm-hmm. or do something. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions, comments, suggestions? Hmm. Things that you would like for somebody who is wondering... Should they work towards leaving their nine to five or adding private practice to something that they do in addition to working for someone else? Hmm. I would say I made the decision for me because um, and kind of to segue off of what you just were talking about with the bucket list is I'm very purpose driven and um I, I don't need a middleman dictating what, when, how. Um, if I get my download that this is the next move, I need to be able to make that move. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, that was one of the main reasons I did private practice was I couldn't have the oversight of the middleman and the um, business, the busyness of therapy getting in the way of actually giving or, or, you know, having therapy with people. Right. Um, And so I think that for each person, it's individual. You know, there's nothing wrong with working for an agency. There's nothing wrong with working for someone else. Right. If this is something you're trying to do and you don't, you know, feel like you have the acumen or the energy to put into the business side of it, Mm -hmm. then, hey, no shame. No shame here in, you know, working for another um, entity. Right. But I would say if you're an individual that wants more autonomy, more room to be creative, more room to be in control of what happens and when, mm-hmm. yeah, go for it. And there's no need to be afraid. You were one of the first people that told me, um, and you really helped me make that transition. I did. Tell them, you did. Yeah. Like, you were the first person that I talked to. That was actually open and transparent about, yeah, you can do this, and this is how I do it, and this is what that looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, no, without asking me to, you know, buy your webinar right. for $500.99 over the next four months <laughs> to find out the inner secrets of becoming a therapist. A black therapist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was no gatekeeping. There was no... Um, side eyeing like I was coming for you and I was coming for what was yours. Yeah. And 
I really appreciated that. And I love every chance I get to give that to somebody else. Yeah. Because that was so important for me. And I, I want to be that person because I didn't have that. And when I see another person who is considering being a clinician or considering doing private practice, I'm like, ooh, another one. We need another one. Yes. We need another one. There's, there's, there's so, I mean, like, if you think of the sky with stars in it, there's enough space in the sky for every star. Yeah. It's the same way with us when it comes to therapists. So let me ask you this, um, and I don't even know how much time we have, but as far as being a black therapist, what does that mean to you? Because I have my own ideas about how that concept has evolved for me right so I have learned that being a black therapist we have the black community we have different issues different struggles we have different um, challenges and barriers that only a black clinician would be able to grasp the concept without you having to explain all the details Mm -hmm. For example, um, I think in 2018, I went to um, South Africa with a group that I found on Facebook. We were in the elevator. A song, nobody knows each other. This is, I think this is our first or second night. A song comes on in the elevator and everybody starts singing a song. Everybody black in the elevator starts singing the song. And then another song comes on, and then people are, like, taking turns picking parts of the song. That was one of those moments where, where regardless of where you are, we still have some of the same issues just because of our skin color. And we're connected in a different way to where only people who have traveled the road that we've traveled in some way or another or walked with somebody who has can understand. Yeah. And so being a black therapist means that when somebody comes in and they say a particular phrase, they don't have to explain to me what it means because I get it. Yeah. When they say, um, this is my play cousin. <laughs> or we grew up like brothers. This is my brother, but it's not really my brother. Mm-hmm. I already know what they mean, and I already have an idea of what that dynamic looks like. Mm-hmm. So I can understand the dynamic of the relationship. I can understand the dynamic of the loyalty and the trust and the connection that they had. Mm-hmm. So if there was a rift in the relationship, I understand how huge that was. Right. Because you were somebody who's not blood related who became family. Right. So being a black therapist means that there are people who are looking for us that want to connect with us so they don't have to explain themselves. They can feel understood just because we're there and go ahead and get started and get started on the problem so we can help them with the solution. You don't have to give me the whole backstory. Yeah. What about you? All righty. So I'll say it. I didn't want to be a black therapist. (laughs) I didn't either. When I started, I, I was like, I'm a black everything else. Why do I have to be a black therapist too? Why can't I just be a therapist? Mm-hmm. I'm sick of the limitations. And I didn't want to be put in another box of, oh, you know, she's the black therapist, Risha. Right. You know, that evolved. It doesn't matter. I am a black therapist. And I like it. Yeah. Um, it was 
all the pressure of of um, you have to be professional and you know being in grad school. You need to do this, and you need to do that. That's not ethical. You need to stand that way, and this means that. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, that doesn't mean that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're pathologizing things that, to your point, in our culture, are not, it's not pathological. Right. You know, me saying some just told me does not mean I'm hallucinating. <laughs> you know, no, like some just told me. I know what you're talking about. Right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So... It showed me through the journey that, like, not only does black, black is not a label. It's my identity. Right. And I get to be that. I don't have to be that. I get to be that. Right. And I get to be that everywhere. Yeah. In therapy, out of therapy. And that's another thing with working for myself as opposed to an agency. Like, if I'm not the therapist for you, I tell them in the first session, it's okay. I take no offense to that. I will help you find another therapist. I am happy to give you a referral. But this is what you're going to get if you schedule a block of time with me. Mm-hmm. And that's freedom that you can't get anywhere else. That's, right. that's as free as you're going to be. Right. Yeah. I remember listening to a podcast of, um, it was two uh, white clinicians, and I, I, they're really good. And they were reviewing other therapists' websites. And so they reviewed this uh, therapist website who was, she's a black therapist. And she didn't have any headshots or any pictures of herself on her page. And I was thinking, that's going to be me when I get my website because I want to I wanna have my rate and I want people to book with me. And then I want to be like, ta-da, I'm black. <laughs> because we assume that really, there are certain... Really, Montoya. <laughs> Montoya. Right. They're going to they're gonna think I'm Hispanic oh, okay, when they okay. see Montoya. What about Risha? <laughs> <laughs> we can't hide behind our names. <laughs> like R. Jack. R. Jack. <laughs> OTC. But they said that there are people out there who need to see you. They need to know that you're there. You need to have your picture on every page of your website. You need to have professional headshots, and you need to have yourself out there everywhere. Stop shrinking. Stop shrinking. Because that's what you helped me with. You know, I try to hide. And you're like, no, mm -mm. get on out here. Oh, it's because I struggle with it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But... People need to see us. They need mm-hmm. to see people like us. Yeah. They need to see that um, there's people out there who have insurance, who have um, flex spending, who mm-hmm. have health savings, who have cash, yeah. who are going to come and they are going to do the work. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, because we both know that our, our clients will tell us why they chose us. Right. What is the craziest or most unexpected client that you got? Who chose you because you were a black woman therapist? I had a client who was not black, who was dating a black guy. Okay. And she wanted to be able to understand life from his perspective from a black woman. Wow. She only came for one session, so I was like, I don't know if I gave her, like, too black <laughs> or not black enough. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know if she got what she needed or if that was enough. I'm not sure. Um, I have had purple hair before. Okay. 
And I had somebody who said, because, you know, when you're looking for a therapist, you don't really know who to choose. You're like, oh, their wording looks cute or her picture speaks to me. Um, But I have learned that the more of yourself you put out in the universe, when people call you, they pretty much already know they want you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I do TikToks and videos and Facebook and Instagram and all of my stuff is public. So I don't have to do the 15-minute free consultation. Mm-hmm. They already know I want you. Yeah. I've already decided. Yeah. Um, but so I lost my train of thought what I was saying. You were telling me about the most unexpected client that picked you because you were a black woman. Oh, yeah. So she said, um, I came to you because you had purple hair. And I felt like because you had purple hair that the way you think as far as what I needed would be more accommodating. And she came several times because of that. I had younger people who came to me because I had purple hair. I love to get that kind of feedback because it lets you know how they're thinking. Right. And then when they see the tattoos. (laughs) No. When they see the tattoos, right, they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're coming back. My name is usually provocative enough for them. Risha. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I've had the most kind of unexpected one that I got specifically that said because I was a black woman. I had a younger um, white male who wanted me to do therapy with him and his father. And he, um, the client was not cisgender, and dad was like a retired Marine who mm. loved America mm-hmm. and was very pro-America, very Republican. Mm. And they wanted to put me in the middle of that. Did you follow through? I did. It was awesome. It was a great experience. Wow. But that was the most unexpected, like, and I, call, I had to call him out on it. I said, so, okay, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, this is what's going on. This is what you want to work on. And I have to ask the obvious question. And you picked Risha Jack. <laughs> and he just started smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> He's like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, um, I wanted to kind of, a lot of the things that he wanted to work on with his dad were going to be uncomfortable. And he wanted to set the stage that this is going to be uncomfortable. That was smart. And his dad followed through. Yes. That's wonderful. It was awesome. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, What's your favorite hood song? That's my best friend. (laughs) What's it with Sweetie and um, Doja Cat? Yeah. That is my I listened to that today because you told me about it. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was good. It make you look bad. Right. (laughs) A little bit. Um, Okay, so what's one of your favorite homework assignments to give people? Ooh, energy budgets. What is that like? Okay, so um, I just make stuff up sometimes. Yeah, me too. Off the top of my head. But this one has really worked. So when I'm working with a client and... They are, codependency is an issue, anxiety is an issue. We do an energy budget. And the first step of that is to assess where does all your energy go during the day? Mm. Like, where do you spend the most of your energy? Is it at work? Is it driving to work? 
Is it with your spouse, with your kids? What takes the most of your energy? So we assess where the energy is going. Mm -hmm. And then we want to create a budget, just like you do for your income. Right. And stuff that comes up when somebody gives you a call and like, hey, can you help me do um, X, Y, and Z this afternoon? And it's like, mm, I ain't got it in the budget. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. That's, that definitely helps people feel comfortable, more comfortable about creating boundaries mm -hmm. um, and not feel as guilty yeah. about it. Because when you're learning to create boundaries, the guilt that comes with it makes you not feel comfortable with it. Right. And then the backlash from other people and possibly temper tantrums from mm -hmm. energy vampires yes. makes it a struggle. So if you're yeah. doing a budget, even if you're doing a spending plan with right. money, it's easy to tell somebody, no, I can't loan you that because... I don't have that in my budget. And when you make it black and white, because it's really important that they write it down um, when they do the assignment and don't just try to wing it in your head. Yeah. That makes it more concrete and it's a less abstract thought. So mm -hmm. my energy is real because I have to manipulate this and I'm looking at on here like, no, I'm out. Right. Like it's fresh out, fresh out of energy. I can't do that. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also shows you that if I do choose to do this anyway, that means I'm taking energy from somewhere else. Right. And I'm putting it here. So it makes you look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And it makes it easier to make it concrete. Yeah. I do something kind of like that. Mine is a little bit more ghetto. Um, I tell people to manage their Fs mm -hmm. that they give. And so every morning when you wake up, you have a handful Let's say you have 10 or 20 Fs. Mm -hmm. um, who's going to get some? Who's going to get one, two? How many do you give them? Mm -hmm. Do you give any to anybody? Do you keep all of them for yourself? Same concept. Do you throw all of them in the wind and give them to, like, you really have to manage your Fs. Yeah. You can't have zero because that's not, that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. But if you have 10... And you are going to be up for at least 12 hours. How yeah. are you going to manage these 10 today? And sometimes you don't have control over things that are going to require them, like, you know, a crisis or something like right, that. Right, But once you're all out, like you said, fresh out, fresh yeah. out of Fs. Yeah, I love to do those, those types of exercises. Those and visualizations. Yeah. I love those. How do you feel about clients who come in who just need permission? I like them. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just have to figure out what it's going to take in order for you to give yourself that. Mm -hmm. um, I like it because I like to see the movement. Once, once the light bulb goes off and they realize, oh, okay. Oh, yes. I'm in charge of that. Yes. Like, yeah. I love being a part of the light bulb moments. I feel like, I feel as if it's, it is confirming that I am where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I just helped facilitate change yeah. in somebody else's life in some way or another. Mm -hmm. um, just from them having that light bulb moment. Now that gives me immediate gratification, but what really gets me is when they come back and they say, you know, Risha, in our last session, you said X, Y, and Z, and I really been thinking about that. And I'm like, oh, I said that? That was Right. Good. I said, what? I said that. You did your homework. Yeah. What'd I give you? 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. I did. I'm. I'm so glad. I was going to see if you were going to bring it up, or if I was going to have to bring it up. So tell me, what was that homework assignment right. like? Yeah. Oh, you you wrote it out. Okay, well, let's talk about it. I was waiting for you. Are those moments when you hear yourself say something in session? And at that moment, both of y'all are like, mm. Yes. Yes. I need to write that down. Right. Okay, so one more question. How have you managed situations where you have a client who comes in and you're going through the same thing or something similar as them? Hmm. I say that because it has happened to me on so many occasions. Um, I was watching Iyanla, and she, on her one of her last episodes, she talked about how she was helping a mom and a daughter, and she heard herself talking to herself the whole entire time hmm. because she had um, a not-so-good relationship, I think, with her granddaughter, I don't remember what she said her relationship with her daughter was like, but her granddaughter, it was strained. Mm -hmm. And so she heard herself giving herself advice, and she felt really convicted, and she felt small, and she was also thinking, how can I help somebody when I'm going through something similar? Hmm. I think that that's when my, my empathy part gets really strong. And if I feel that I'm in that danger zone of counter-transference, then I stay right there with them and just try to help them process, okay, their experience of that. Right. And help them give words to what they feel mm-hmm. and what they're seeing. Um, I just kind of stay right there and try not to go too far into, I'm really good at compartmentalization. Okay. So um, I'm good at disassociating. Oh, yes. Very good. (laughs) Very good. So I don't really think that that becomes too much of an issue for me. Okay. Um, It's almost like, oh, I can start to predict what's going to happen because of the similar circumstance. And I can I turn it around and I use it as a positive um, because it helps me to have deeper insight into their experience mm-hmm. of what they're going through to help them to not feel so alone and that no one understands. Do you hear yourself talking to yourself during that time also? No. You don't? Okay. Because I, I just stay there with them. Okay. Yeah. That's a good thing. Sometimes I hear myself. I, I think to myself, oh, okay, Lord, that's what you meant. Okay, I get it. (laughs) Thanks. Um, That's usually a delayed reaction for me after the fact. Okay. Then I might, oh, okay. I ask that because I have a, um, I have a supervisee and one day she called me and she said, I'm not going to be able to be a therapist. I'm not going to be able to come to supervision anymore because I'm having issues with my family. And I just don't see this getting better. And I don't know how I can help somebody else when I'm in the middle of going through BS. Hmm. I said, girl, unless you plan on dying soon, (laughs) welcome to the club. You're going to have stuff all the time, every day. All the time. But the, the good thing is by us doing this work, 
it's supposed to help keep us accountable with us continuing to do the work. Mm -hmm. I know you said that you do the work also. I do the work. I go see a therapist regularly. I can't wait to go see my therapist. I have to. Yeah. I have to. And I enjoy it. I look forward to it. And I'm grateful that I get to compartmentalize my own stuff. Yeah. Versus I'm not coming here to talk about, you know, any of my clients' stuff, anything that they have going on. It's just strictly... Montoya, Monyonce, Toya, um, TT Toya. Yeah, it's uh, several of us. Okay, okay. And we all show up at therapy. Cool. Cool. Well, I think that is it. Um, I hope that we have said something that has struck a chord with people who stop by, and if not, encourage someone to. Um, be brave and courageous enough to do their own thing as mm-hmm. a licensed, competent, ethical clinician. Mm-hmm. Stop shrinking. Stop shrinking. It's okay because to be you. we need you. And um, if not, if we don't encourage somebody to do that, at least we encourage somebody to seek therapy. Mm-hmm. To be bougie enough to invest in your mental health because you're that important. Yeah, that's all you got. Mental health is mental wealth. Right. Everything we do starts with a thought. Thank you for stopping by Bougie Black Therapist Podcast. I'm Montoya McGowan and... I'm Risha Jack. And we will see you on our next episode. Um, Remember to like, subscribe, and share. Mm -hmm.